Welcome to a new edition of See What's On, Central Maine's radio arts magazine, brought to you by Community Productions and Mix 107.9. It's Sunday, June 19th, 2016. I'm your host, Dick Dyer. Each week, we scour the region and highlight the new and the unique arts happenings wherever they might occur. From Bangor to Lewiston, from Farmington to Rockland, from lounges to formal theaters, from galleries, festivals, libraries, movie houses, and maybe even your own home. If it's on, it's on. See what's on. This week, we talk about the 2016 Whatever Family Festival, and we have the pleasure of talking exclusively with local author Doug Rooks about his new biography of our Senator George Mitchell. And we have another new solo cut from Pat Caldwell. This segment of See What's On is brought to you by We Heart Maine, an electronic magazine all about Maine. Find out more about We Heart Maine by visiting them on weheartmaine.com. We welcome this new publication and their stories of interest to all of us here in Central Maine. Now let's go to our exclusive interview with local author Doug Rooks. George Mitchell and the Art of the Possible by Douglas Rooks. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for coming on See What's On. Thanks for having me here. Part of See What's On, we do intend to get into great literature, and it's very appropriate that we start with a very first literature segment for the show with a book written by a local Maine author, as well as a local Maine statesman with incredible worldwide presence in the form of George Mitchell. Well, it's interesting you mentioned literature because I never really thought about that, but you know, maybe it's that good. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> My first association with you was as editor of the Kennebec Journal. Well, I never actually edited the whole thing. I was the editorial page editor and the arts editor for a little while. So that was actually good training. And then on to other publications. Oh, gosh. I edited Maine Times, and I was the publisher there for a while, the late lamented statewide Newsweekly, which was a wonderful job. I wish it were still around. I do, too. It's one of those newspapers that didn't make it, but we wish it had. And, of course, many uh, Central Mainers still read your column on a regular basis. And it's nice to have that connection as well. So what got you interested in doing a story about George Mitchell, a biography of George Mitchell? You know, I think I've always been interested in it in one way or another. I did think about, you know, what I might do after daily newspapering, and writing a book seemed like a great thing. It just it didn't happen nearly as soon as I, I wanted. I actually had some discussions with Senator Mitchell around 2001, 2002, about doing this book then. And for whatever reason, the project just never got together. Ten years later, though, it did, and now it's in print. You know, and the difference that you pointed out to me is that the senator has written his own memoirs, but this yours is a biography. How do you characterize that difference? Well, Mitchell's memoir is very good, and it was very useful to me. There's a lot of things that he says in there that I couldn't have gotten, you know, as a biographer anywhere else. But it is still one person's view of his own life. And, and a biography really tries, like this one, which is an independent look at Mitchell. I tried to take anybody who knew him, all people all over the country, to get their thoughts on him, to create a portrait that was a wider, a bigger picture about George Mitchell, his significance both for Maine and really the world. And I think you said you had over 50 personal interviews. In- I did, yeah. I mean, there's hundreds of interviews that have already been recorded about George mm-hmm. Mitchell and his mentor, Ed Muskie. But I was actually surprised that I'd done as many as I had, because often I would find something in another interview and said, wow, I wish they'd asked him X or Y. And then I realized, well, you know, I could do that. I traveled to Washington for a week, and I traveled around Maine a fair amount to do this, but it was really worthwhile. You get so much more better material when you meet with people personally. That's what I really loved about books, 
as opposed to journalism where you're mostly on the phone and on the internet. Mm -hmm. If you talk to people face-to-face, -face, it's just a whole different experience as a writer. Any one of those in particular that stands out? I credit George Mitchell. I did one big interview with him, a couple of smaller ones, but one big interview, and he invited me to his house in Seal Harbor, which I took as a sign of favor. Mm -hmm. I don't think George Mitchell invites people to his house that he distrusts or doesn't like. We spent a couple hours. Uh, in fact, I think I got a few more minutes than two hours, even though he was saying, I think it's time. And it was a great interview. I mean, it really expanded my view of George Mitchell and his significance, really. He's, he is a world figure now. Mm -hmm. And I think those of us who knew him primarily when he was in the Senate, that's a bit of a surprise. Mm -hmm. he, has, he has broadened his role, and the title statesman, to me, was the title for the book. That was the sense of him that I wanted to capture. Mm -hmm. And it certainly is a title that most of us in Maine come to know and ascribe to him. But here's another thing that's funny about the title. I checked very carefully to make sure that it wasn't all over other people's books. That title has not been used in a long time about anyone, mm. which just shows you, I think, how rare he is, but also how important it is to have statesmen or stateswomen in the world because they have a vital role that's more than just holding office or holding power to really tell us what we need to do in the larger public arena. Mm. I think statesmen, I think we miss not having more. We'll have more with Doug Rooks in just a few minutes. 107.9 The Mix. You're listening to See What's On. I'm your host, Dick Dyer. Let's talk with Kennebec Valley Chamber President and CEO Ross Cunningham about the Whatever Family Festival, which is on right now and is scheduled to have activities daily through July 4th. So welcome, Ross. How are you? I'm fantastic, Dick. Great. Good. Well, you're well into the Whatever Festival. That's correct. We are about halfway through almost. We finished our first weekend. We started on the 15th, and the Blistered Fingers Bluegrass Festival was great last week, and Gardner had their River Festival days this past weekend, and that was a huge turnout. Fantastic. Event. So, and today you even have more things going on. All it's sorts of things all I... around the region today. So it's lots of great activities. And we have got a whole other week and a half of activities that'll wrap up on the 4th of July with the Augusta downtown activities. And there's also fireworks out in Winthrop on Great. the 4th as well. But Great. This is a fantastic well, event. Well, it's 39 years. 39 years. That's correct. And I got to tell you, every year we put this on at no cost to the community. A lot of these events, the majority of these events are free. And all of that is made possible by some financial sponsors that are absolutely impossible to do without. Uh, this year, our sponsors are Maine General Health. University of Maine at Augusta, the Marketplace at Augusta, EJP, and Margarita. So we're really, really grateful for those five sponsors to step up and help us out this year. And this is a phenomenal two-week evolution that takes a lot of work from the community. Oh, it's a huge amount of work and the incredible number of volunteers that are, are part of it. Absolutely. Just on our Kids Day in the Capitol Park, which we'll talk about in just a moment, just in that, I believe we have over 45 volunteers that come out for the day and help us sort of coordinate different events and help make sure every stage has got the right people in the right places and all that stuff. So really fantastic events. And that's a great way to showcase what each of these communities, because you've got things in Litchfield. Oh, we've got, the, exactly. The blister fingers. Of, you know, we've got things in Gardner. We've got things in Hollowell, Litchfield. They're all over the area. And you can go onto our website, kennebecvalleychamber.com, and just look at the full list of activities that we still have remaining over the next two weeks. It's fantastic. I knew you'd have that right on the tip of your tongue. Well, what I was that one more time? Daily. It's www.kennebecvalleychamber.com. And certainly, if you can't find what you're looking for there, you can give us a call at the chamber, which is 
We're not in today, of course, but you can give us a call anytime Monday through Friday. Right, and online. And there really are just an extensive list of things. I was amazed in trying to prep to talk with you about this. I mean, I can't really focus on one thing. We do want to focus on one. Right, however. Uh, June yeah. 25th is our Kids Day in Capitol Park. And this is, I think it's the 18th or 19th year we've done this particular event in Capitol Park. And several thousand families come out. And we have got tents and activities for kids. We've got pop-ups. We've got bounce houses. We've got a helicopter from the Maine Forestry Service coming into land. I think they're coming in around noon. They'll be there for about an hour. The event is from 11 to 3, and it's in Capitol Park, the city side of Capitol Park, next to the YMCA in Augusta. Right. And we have great companies that volunteer to come do things like fill sand bottles with colored sand or face painting or activities. We have several different stages. We have a Be a Country Star competition happening. We've got the kids stage happening. We've got a dance stage where several different local dance groups come out and perform throughout the day. Mm-hmm. We have Elsa and Olaf mm. from Frozen are coming. Things uh, down. Be there cooling things down, we Great. hope. Smokey the Bear will be there. We have some other characters. It's really just an opportunity to folks to come out, enjoy the beautiful weather, enjoy Augusta. We've got food trucks. We've got food vendors. I mean, there's so much to do. And again, we couldn't possibly cover this. And the events themselves are are largely free for the kids. Exactly. Mm. I don't think anything costs money in the Kids Day in Capitol Park except the food trucks and the food vendors. But none of the activities, I believe, cost any money. And it's a really quite a ray. I know you've got Mike Mickla in there. You know, oh, we've got doing some his fantastic vaudeville. performers. And we've got a great line of trucks, touch-a-truck line, that goes from the Y all the way up to State Street. And there's got to be 15, 20 large construction vehicles and delivery trucks and all sorts of stuff for kids to crawl around in. And the drivers are fantastic. They'll help the kids get up in and honk the horns and Really a great day for kids. Fantastic. Right through the 4th. And I mean, I know we often say, and I hear frequently, there's nothing to do. But boy, I can tell you on this show and talking with you about this particular event, people can't be saying there's nothing to do. (laughs) You are absolutely correct. I mean, this is two full weeks, just chock full of activities. And I know that the Augusta Downtown Alliance has started their Friday Market Square Melodies. I know that the uh, city of Augusta has started their I believe it's Wednesday night, but I'm not positive, the Riverfront Music. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I believe Hollowell and Gardner are also starting their summer music series very, very soon. So Mm -hmm. there is so much to do in this region during the summer specifically that it's just... It's just impossible to cover it all. And it's great that the Chamber can showcase all oh, of that. Oh, we're thrilled to be a big part of this. Because, you know, the more folks who know about the great things happening in Augusta, we're hoping the more folks will open the business here, do business here, or move here, make a community out of it. So we're uh, we're thrilled to be a big supporter of that and thrilled to work with all of our business partners to make this possible. Well, we're thrilled at See What's On to do our part to help you bring attention to that. I do know that 4th of July, which is two weeks, I think, on Monday the 4th, the Capital City Riverfront, There's Mm -hmm. a big, big happening there. I know they've got live music happening. I believe it's Cold Blue Steel Mm -hmm. and the Veyu Twins. I saw that. Two bands coming in that night. I've seen both of these groups, and they're a lot of fun. It's going to be a great evening. Of course, they're going to have fireworks down there at at Mill Park. Got, of course, all sorts of food vendors and activities that evening as well. And please do check out KennebecValleyChamber.com because there really are so many things every single day right through the 4th. There's Absolutely. And, you know, i got to tell you, this region is getting much more active in outdoor activities. So even though the 4th comes and goes, all of July and August, there's live music throughout several right. different communities. And there's certainly the Bluegrass Festival comes back in August to mm-hmm. Litchfield, the Blistered Fingers. There's stuff to do here all summer. So we're just <laughs> thrilled to be a big part of that. And as usual, you can find out about a lot of those things at the chamber as well. Absolutely. So great. 
Ross, anything else you'd like to make no, sure to is, mention? You know, I'm just thrilled to, to be able to come on here and then spread the word, and thank you guys for helping us put the word out. We are happy to do our part. All right. Thanks, thanks so much. Take care. We'll take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll rejoin our interview with Doug Rooks about his biography of Senator George Mitchell. One of 7.9 The Mix, you're listening to See What's On. I'm your host, Dick Dyer. In this segment of our interview with Doug Rooks, we discuss not only the huge impact Senator George Mitchell had on the United States, but his worldwide impact as well, and how humble he is about it all. Out of all the many, many things we could talk about, what would you want people to know that they might not already know about Senator Mitchell in the world stage? I think it was his involvement in the Middle East. He's much better known for his wonderful success in bringing peace to Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. It was just an incredible achievement that probably only Mitchell could have done. But the story is pretty well known. I mean, most people who know anything about George Mitchell say, oh, yeah, he's the guy who did the thing in Ireland and brought peace to Northern Ireland. Although it didn't have the same results, his abilities, I think, were even more sorely tested in his time in the Middle East because there were a couple of different episodes. He went there first at the very end of the Bill Clinton administration when the Camp David talks had failed. Yasser Arafat and I think it was Ehud Barak, the mm-hmm. Israeli prime minister, could not agree. It ended, as it always has, unfortunately, up to this point with no agreement between the Palestinians and the Israelis. But then Clinton sent Mitchell and Warren Rudman from New Hampshire and a couple of other people, important world figures, to do a report on the possibilities for peace in what turned out to be the George W. Bush administration. That report that Mitchell wrote, much of it himself, is still the best guide to a possible agreement in the Middle East. Mm. Now, of course, when he went back in a more famous role for President Obama at the very beginning Mm -hmm. of the Obama administration, the conditions on the ground were just not suitable. The leadership of both sides had changed. And unfortunately, you can't make a peace agreement unless you have people who want to do it. And it's too bad because I think a lot of people said, you know, if anybody can do it, it's George Mitchell. But Mm -hmm. even George Mitchell can't do it alone. But the range of his abilities, he has this amazing ability to walk into a room. There was one scene I remember particularly from the earlier one. There were 40 different Palestinian representatives in a room. He had just arrived in Palestine and without any warm-up or anything, and they all wanted to talk to him. He listened and heard every single one of those 40 people, and they felt heard. And you realize this is an area where people are not feeling heard very much Mm -hmm. in that war zone. So I'd say on the world stage, that was the most impressive to me. Perhaps Mm -hmm. it didn't have the greatest results in terms of concrete achievement, but seeing him and how he worked and how he tried to bring things to a conclusion, that was the most impressive. Does he speak about that being the art of listening then? or He does. He gave a lecture at the Muskie School at USM, which is called The Art of Listening. It's worth reading. It's on the web under the Muskie School website. But yes, clearly that is something that he practiced and perfected it to the degree that a human being can. He is about the best listener that most people have ever talked to. And when you run into him personally, as I know many of the people listening to the show will have personal experiences, whether it's at Jorgensen's in Waterville. I mean, I hadn't seen the senator in probably 10 or 15 years. And I turned and he was getting a coffee and he turned to me and immediately spoke my name. I I couldn't believe that he would even remember who I was. He remembers everyone. And people talk about, a lot of people talk about that. There's a couple instances in the book where somebody said, I couldn't believe he knew who I was. And yet he not only knew who you were, he remembered something important about you. It, It was amazing. It was uncanny. 
Turning a bit then to the U.S. stage, I mean, there were several accomplishments that I can recall, but what jumps out at you is the most significant or a couple of most significant U.S. accomplishments. Well, he did amazing things in just six years as majority leader. That's all he was there for. And most of us remain wish it had been a lot longer because I think he would have gotten more done than most of the other people who've held that role of Senate majority leader since him. But during that relatively brief period, I mean, we had some amazing legislation. We had the Americans for Disabilities Act, which is extremely important in terms of creating a more equal society, really Mitchell's overarching goal in everything he did. He concluded with the first President Bush, the last bipartisan budget agreement we've ever had. We haven't had another one in 25 years. So he did some remarkable things that you wouldn't think necessarily could be done. But the one that stands out mostly because it's going to be so significant to the next generation is the Clean Air Act of 1990. You know, a lot of people have heard about the Obama Clean Power Plan. That is directly based on the statutory language in the 1990 Clean Air Act. Mm. The Clean Air Act says that the EPA shall regulate for things like carbon dioxide. If it didn't say that, we'd never be here today Mm. because President Obama is using that 26-year-old law to accomplish amazing things today. And of course, this Congress would never give him that authority. He had it because of what Mitchell did. And that bill was... It was amazing he got it through. He had to use every trick he had. He had to use all of his authority as majority leader. He started when he was just on the committee Mm -hmm. to get that thing through. And it really is amazing, even today, that he actually accomplished that. So that's the big one to me, the Clean Air Act. And I think you say in the book something to the effect about, he talks about that in terms of credit. Right. George Mitchell never hogged the limelight. One of the reasons why, this is a guess, but there probably are about 40 books about Bill Clinton. This is the first book about George Mitchell. Now, I'm not saying that the Senate majority leader is more important than the president, but he's pretty important. And yet Mitchell never attracted publicity. He never gave good copy. He just did his job and he did it wonderfully well. But in our society, in our political culture, that doesn't get you much in the way of the limelight. Mm -hmm. And other people are always wanting to come in and take some of the credit, even when they didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mitchell was the opposite. And I think in that respect, he is probably almost unique Mm -hmm. in not having to have the credit. And in fact, spreading it around. He would go to a bill signing and he'd talk about his aides' work on the bill. Mm -hmm. When he finished the Clean Air Act, his clean air aide, who I was able to do an interview with, and was wonderful, she's still around, and he brought her out on the floor for like a star turn. Mm -hmm. Who who would do that today? What senator would take their aide out and said? This is the person who really deserves the credit. This is the person who really did the work. But I think he knew that if you do that, then people are willing to cooperate with you and occasionally change their minds and vote with you, Mm -hmm. even though that wasn't their first thought. Mm -hmm. We'll close out our show in a minute with a final portion of our interview with Doug Rooks and discuss Senator Mitchell's impact on Maine. But before we do, we discovered a solo cut from an album by last week's guest, Pat Caldwell, on his album, Elvis Drove Me Home. This is the title track for the album. Elvis drove me home last night. We banged a left when we should have all right. The caddy's wheels were starting to spin as we pulled up to the dew drop in. What's a man to do when the boss man says he want to talk to you? Last night 
You're listening to See What's On here on Mix 107.9. I'm your host, Dick Dyer. This segment of See What's On is brought to you by SBS Carbon Cope, located on Main Street in Waterville. SBS is a family-owned business and has always been a strong supporter of the arts and community development. Visit them at mainprintingservices.com. Now let's close out our interview with Douglas Rooks, author of the new biography of our former Senator George Mitchell, Discussing Mitchell's impact on the state of Maine in his experience in the U.S. stage. I mean, there were some pretty big egos. I'm thinking of the the work he did to save Disney, if you will. Um, yes, know, pretty yes. powerful egos involved, and, he, he and took baseball. The, and he took on the job at Disney when Michael Eisner was the CEO, and Michael had made that company into what it was. The original Walt Disney Company was pretty much gone. Michael Eisner had reinvented the Disney Company and made it one of the most profitable and largest entertainment companies in the world. And yet at some point he ticked people off and he was really in a huge fight. And George Mitchell essentially allowed Michael Eisner to leave with his head up and with his fortune intact and off to a new company, which he founded after that. And the Disney company has done extremely well since then. That could have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. Fights in the boardroom can really hurt companies long-term. And again, I don't know how much credit he got for that, but it really was him. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think that that transition would have occurred as it did without George Mitchell serving as the board chair, which he didn't really want to do. They prevailed upon him to do it. And even though he had no experience in a corporate CEO role at all, he did it very well. And then, of course, we all love what he did with baseball. Yes. He helped fix the economics of the game in an earlier report in a way, it's really nice because at the time, it seemed fairly clear that several Major League Baseball teams were going to fold unless something was done. And he was able to convince people again to work together for the players and to cooperate with the owners. 
And there has not been a single strike in baseball since that report was issued, which shows you that, you know, sometimes when you change people's minds, you have a longer term effect than just changing the budget or changing the organization. So yes, he's got a range of achievements which reflect his strengths, but they are apparently adaptable to the worlds of law and business (laughs) and finance as well as politics. And turning lastly to Maine... And I would want to leave with a which, great story that you... Which, which is always our favorite subject. Absolutely. George Mitchell loves Maine. He is absolutely part of Maine and his communities. But he's so devoted to Maine that he just spent an incredible amount of time meeting with individuals, doing things that you would not expect a Senate leader to do, really, particularly after he achieved his position of eminence. You know, he figured, I've got better things to do than talk with Mainers. But he always did. He tells wonderful stories that he's worked on over the years and tells very well. And this is actually one of my favorites. It's very short, but it illustrates not just the fact that he can be funny and tell a joke, but that it really illustrates something about the relationships of Maine and the place that Maine came from, which is the state of Massachusetts. So anyway, the story, I lead into it in the book, telling about how he helped rebuild the Jackson Lab after a horrendous fire that almost wiped out the lab. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was very serious. He got them a long-term federal loan. They were able to rebuild. This is actual passage from the book here. Mitchell likes to tell a story about another rebuilding that took place a few years earlier when the Jordan Pond House burned down in an off-season fire. Its splendid view toward the bubbles, twin pink granite peaks at the far end of the pond, is one of the most famous scenes in Acadia. Finding that through regular appropriations it would take five years to fund a replacement, Mitchell sponsored a bill that allowed construction to start the following spring. Not long after the restaurant reopened, Mitchell was meeting friends there, and one of them hadn't appeared. So he went to find a payphone, and he always reminds audiences that in those days they didn't have cell phones, (laughs) and then he spotted one in the lobby. In his various tellings, Mitchell points up the contrast between Maine and Massachusetts, which was a long-running source of friendly rivalry and ribbing with Ted Kennedy (laughs) and others. There are different versions of the Jordan Bond story, depending on the audience, and Mitchell does include a short rendition in his memoir. The scenario positions Mitchell, after finding the payphone, next in line behind an increasingly irate tourist who's from Massachusetts and is plugging quarters into the phone and swearing about the inability of Mainers to keep even a payphone in operation. The man keeps inserting quarters and swearing, and Mitchell sees that a line is forming behind him. His immediate neighbor notices him and says, Aren't you the new U.S. senator from Maine? Mitchell acknowledges this, and the two chat. After a while, Mitchell asks, And what do you do for a living? The man leans forward and confides, I'm a telephone repairman. And as soon as that guy from Massachusetts uses up all his quarters, I'm going to fix that phone. <laughs> Fabulous story, Doug. I can't thank you enough for coming in. I know you've piqued interest from people for the book. Where do you recommend they get a copy of the book? And where can they hear more from you? Well, in the age of the internet, it's widely available. I mean, as a writer and an author and a local person, I'd love it if you go to your local bookstore and get it. Absolutely. But it is online as well. You can find it easily now. I will also be presenting the book and signing copies of the book, I hope, at a couple of local venues pretty soon. I will be in Gardner on June 30th at the Gardner Public Library and then at the Hollowell Library a week later on July 7th. Great. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate your time today. I'm glad to be here. Well, that's our show for this week. Special thanks to our guests, Ross Cunningham, Pat Caldwell, and a special thanks to Douglas Brooks. I would also like to say a special thanks to Gatsby for technical assistance in producing this show here on 107.9 The Mix. My partner Gary Poulin and I hope you reach out to us on Facebook and visit our website at seewhatson.com. Remember, that's the letter C, whatson.com. And share that with your friends. 
We look forward to seeing you next Sunday for more features about the arts in Central Maine. That's it for me. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And remember, if it's on, it's on. See what's on.